<laughs> what? You look like Mary Poppins. Is he cool? Hell yeah, he's cool. I'm Mary Poppins, y'all! I'm Griffin. I'm Molly. And we're going into the Superverse! Dun, dun, dun. And now we return to our regularly scheduled programming. We may have lost some of y'all with our episode last week in which we covered The Crow. I'm sorry. Uh, a massive detour from both our usual uh, movies that we watch and also, I would say, a detour from our normal discussion style. I don't think it was a bad thing. I hope you all enjoyed it if you listened. But now we are returning to our MCU watch through with Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. Yeah, so much different tone than um, where we were, even before The Crow. I mean, well, we had Shazam. We kind of sandwiched The Crow with two movies that are almost as far as away as you can get from it, which may have been to its detriment or not. I don't know. So this is um, our, what, third, fourth James Gunn movie that we're covering on the podcast? Third James Gunn movie, fourth James yeah. Gunn project. project. Peacemaker, yeah. Um, so this was 2017. We're quickly approaching uh, Infinity War, right? I mean, in terms of time, not we are. movies. We are. There's four more movies, I believe, until Infinity War. Yeah, I but think so. This film doesn't have that urgency, like, Not I kind of kept forgetting that this took place before Infinity War. For some reason, I was thinking that this was taking place after because they faced Thanos in the first, or kind of faced Thanos in the first one. Yeah, yeah. I think it, this movie caught a lot of flack for that lack of urgency, for that, and for the lack of tie-ins with the Infinity Saga, which was, as you were just saying, like, rapidly... Moving to right. its, uh, not conclusion, but to its climax. Like, Doctor Strange, like, kind of hyped us up for, like, they mention Infinity Stones. And I can tell And they that do mention the word Infinity Stones. A token mention. Yes. A token mention. I know that, like, James Gunn was not interested in just making his next movie heavy setup because, honestly, he did a lot of heavy lifting with the first one. Um, I mean, that whole, like, here's what the Infinity Stones are, and obviously, like, spending a lot of time with Thanos. I think he had a sequel in mind that was focused solely on the Guardians, and he didn't want anything to detract from that. And I think that's partially why this movie is also just set so quickly after the first movie. It's, like, six months after the end of the first movie. Like, it's still in 2014. We're not competing with... Uh, you know, Thor Ragnarok and all the other movies that came out this year to be like, what is going to take us to the precipice of Infinity War? Which, watching it now, that doesn't bother me. I'm like, that's fine that it's happening outside of that plot. But at the time, I remember kind of being disappointed. Not that I even knew really what Infinity War was or was going to be. Like, you did. But I was kind of along for the ride, but I was like... 
I don't really get where this movie is in terms of all of these other ones we've been watching. That response came from a lot of people, and it's like it's like the response that Phase Four is getting now. Like, what are we doing? Are we just like, are we waiting? Like, what are we building up to? Obviously, this was like a much more a smaller example because all the movies, most of the movies that came out before and after this were doing their part to advance the overarching plot. But yeah, I mean, I. I agree that it bothered me back when it came out. Well, how did you feel right after you saw this movie in theaters? Well, I loved it. Yeah. I loved this movie. Like, I did... We've talked about it before. We talked about it in the first Guardians episode, at least, if not other times. I came out thinking that this was better than the first Guardians. And I have that recency bias with a lot of movies that I watch. (laughs) And... After ruminating on it a bit, but definitely after a rewatch, I was like, nah, first movie's still better. But I think, so in that time that I was spending thinking about this movie, um, I definitely would have considered how it contributed or didn't contribute to the Infinity Saga because I was like, I was, still am, like on the Marvel Studios subreddit and there's always talk and chatter about whatever movie's coming out next. So when the Guardians 2 trailers were coming out, there were so many theories about how is how is it going to connect? You know, where's the Soul Stone? We hadn't seen the Soul Stone yet, and everyone's panicking, so maybe Ego had something to do with the Soul Stone. But James Gunn being him, I think he got out ahead of it and was like, nah, like, I'm not doing that. This is a Guardian story. So there's a bit of time for people to process their frustration with that and then just watch the movie. Because they knew that it was coming. Yeah. I mean, so when when we saw it in theaters, Griffin was immediately like, it was so good. I loved it more than the first one. And I was definitely like, what? No way. Like, I definitely like the first one better. But honestly, watching it this time, kind of outside of the hype of the Infinity War phase or whatever phase we were in, I really enjoyed it this time. Or, I, I, I mean, I did enjoy it, but I think... The things that I was so bothered by the first time didn't bother me as much this time. And maybe it's because we've been watching maybe more like subpar Marvel movies that have come out that my standards have lowered. But you're like, I miss these days. When I was watching, I was like, oh, actually, Drax doesn't bother me as much as he did the first time we watched it. And I I think it's still a little boring. And there are some flaws that I'm going to talk about as we get more towards the end. But I just, like, love the uh, Yandu plot. I, yeah, it just, the and, like, I was really annoyed with Rocket in the first one, the first watch through of this, and this time I understood it more, I guess, like, the whole battery thing. Like, I, I don't know, I just, I had more grace watching it this time than I did the first time. And I know we've watched it, like, once in between, but I don't really remember how I felt after that one. For sure. I think after the last time we watched it, which would have been for our full MCU watch through, which we did like two years ago, I think we both liked it better than if I remember correctly, like that rewatch, we gave it a bit more of a pass on some of that stuff, but I agree with you. I think maybe was certainly for this rewatch. And I'm wondering if it was the same for my initial watch in theater, the last like 20 minutes of this movie, I think are really good. Like it has a lot of, pacing problems i wouldn't even say a problem it's a slow paced movie but it's a short time frame it we're only talking about like a day two days right very short but like and when it gets there 
I just think, like, the ending is really good, and, like, the Yondu stuff, like you said, is fantastic. So thinking about that, like, coming fresh out of the movie, that sticks. There are a lot of notes that I would have given James Gunn on this movie. Because, <laughs> Let's give him now. I'm well, sure he's listening. So, and especially now that we have more perspective, because after watching... Yeah, he would love that. Um, <laughs> after seeing The Suicide Squad, and especially Peacemaker, we've gotten to take, like, a better look at... James Gunn, like, at, like, picking these projects that he is, like, passionate about, which obviously he is for Guardians, but I'm assuming, like, working on Peacemaker, especially, with, like, very little overhead or oversight, like, he's doing him, and I think where this movie succeeds, one, is drilling home, like, the emotional stuff with Yondu and Rocket, and I can see, like, a lot of that came through also in Peacemaker with how, like, got into the stuff with his dad with like a layer of like goofiness that's inherent to superheroes and everything. Um, and I just thought that that clashed with some of like the humor that he chose to go with in this movie. There were still a lot of jokes that don't land for me this watch through, or they just like overstay their welcome more often than not. Um, which is too bad. Cause I think in shorter spurts, uh, it wouldn't have given me like a bad taste in my mouth. That's just, like, what, what I think about. Like, I was saying to Molly before this, I think this movie has, like, instances of what James Gunn really excels at and also his weaknesses, and there is a clear disparity to me, which makes this, like, not the best. Yeah, I don't think it's the best project. I do like that he's not... Like, it is different than Peacemaker. Like, it still needs to fit into the Marvel, to the MCU. And I think the jokes and stuff is more in line with the MCU. Obviously, like, he has to, like, tone down the violence and stuff. So for those reasons, like, I I don't... I'm glad it doesn't stick out as a sore thumb in terms of, like, this doesn't feel like a Marvel movie. Like, I think he did a good job of or at least he was listening to some of the people in trying to marvelize it, even if he didn't necessarily want to do that. I just, yeah, definitely. Which I know that's not exactly what you're saying. But but. what I was going to just bounce off that with was like, I just like the, the peacemaker humor really worked for me, like in virtually every aspect because of, but like you said, it's more adult. They can curse so on and so forth. The things, yeah, you could really tell, I feel like at some points the joke that he wanted to make, but he couldn't. Well, I know. Um, they had to keep saying, like, frickin'. The, and, and I would just prefer the not. Like, Yeah, I didn't like what, that. In what universe is Rocket, Rocket not saying exactly. fuck? Like, what? Is he, is he Age of Ultron Captain America now being like, watch your language? No. I would have just preferred, like, just Find don't another even, way don't to even say bother. It, yeah. that was pro- that's one of the worst jokes to me. And it comes so late in the movie. I'm like, damn it, man, just Why? Don't fuck yeah. up this Yondu moment. Yeah, and I mean, somebody else says something like that, too. It's, like, very censored. It, like, I was like, are we watching a censored version of yeah, this movie? Yeah, sometimes, it, and that's not a good sign. It, like, stuck out to me more this time, I think. a good PG-13 movie, you never really think that. Like, in The Batman, you don't really think that. Obviously, tone is vastly different. Is that just, only PG-13? Yeah. It feels so violent. I know, but they don't really do anything that would make it yeah. R-rated, so... Um, for me though, like just to get these out, cause I don't want to be bitching about this movie that, that frick guardians of the freaking galaxy. No good. I really, and it didn't bother me as much this time. I will say, but the, 
thing with like the yarrow root or whatever, like the it's not ripe. Um, that didn't bother me. It didn't bother me as much, but I'm also like, it's the, the setup for it is so clunky. I just, I didn't like it on like it some, wasn't some worth of our watch days. I'm yeah. like, why are we building this up? It's not <laughs> like from the minute that they first be like, it's not ripe. I'm like, this is not worth the payoff at all. I also, the only, the other bit I didn't enjoy Drax and Rocket both do it is like just the excessive laughing at their own jokes. Or, like, at something. I'm like, this is not my humor. This feels like middle school it, humor. Uh, the Oh, did you build a penis? Oh, I have huge turds. And I think what actually hurts the movie the most, because I bitched about the taser face thing and Rocket being like, ah, your name's taser face, which I think, like, a minute of that would have been good. But that actually didn't bother me as much as just like the ha 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 like yeah it's it's too much but also like the taser face thing bothers me because like they just fucking killed like twenty of the ravagers and Craglin's like they killed all my friends and it's really sad I'm like why are we not focusing on the fact that they're just like fucking butchering half the crew of this ship they're throwing them at the airlock and we're and I know it's like rocket like kind of like deflecting or something I don't know well. I was going to say, like, I actually, I think it didn't bother me so much because I actually saw what was happening, which is, like, he knows that he's next, so he's, like, delaying it. Yeah. Like, I think it's, that this time for Rocket, it's more strategy than just being an asshole. Yeah. Whereas, like, later when, I, I Yandu, like, asks him something and he just starts laughing for, like, a minute, I'm like... This isn't strategy. This is just him being an asshole, and that's not funny to me. Oh, when he like, can't find the the eye or something, he's like he'll wake yeah, up. Yeah, 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 yeah. And like um, Drax does that a bunch yeah. too. Yeah, I just think some of it. It's like if you just let the joke like sit and not be like basically cueing a laugh track. Like we know when the joke lands. We don't need the character to fall over laughing at it for me to get it. In fact, it makes me like the joke less, <laughs> which is a which is a shame because it's not all the jokes in this movie are bad. There's a lot of good ones, but the bad ones are kind of distracting. Um, yeah, but so let's get into the movie. Talk about some things that we liked. We'll probably still say some things that we didn't love, but sure. Well, first of all, the young Kurt Russell still looks pretty good. Looks excellent. Yeah, not yeah, pretty good. All of the all of the de-aged Marvel stuff from this era has maintained its um, good looks. Also, it's funny that, like, they, like, within the story, there's, like, the whole de-aging thing because, like, he could be anything he wants to be. Why would he look older now? Like, why wouldn't he look the exact same? Well, he wants the human experience. Right. Until he would get to the point where he's, like, decrepit and then maybe he'll just reset. I don't know. That's a good point, though. Did not really think about it. They just needed to be like, do you think they missed when it said 1984? Like, we need to make sure people know that there's a time jump. Um, the, the One of the big, like, factors in this movie is the Sovereign. And we have uh, Aisha, played by Elizabeth Debicki, who will be playing Princess Diana in The Crown. Um, they're, like, popping in and out of this movie. They're obviously, like, putting out contracts for hits on the Guardians, and they wind up creating 
what appears to be a cocoon for Adam Warlock, who we know is going to be in the third movie. So I'm wondering how much of a focus there will be on them as like a people or will it just be Adam Warlock? Cause I feel like the, they're kind of like just treated as like a, a bit like they're just weirdos that have like this really like rigid society. But I'm like, I feel like this could be cool to like take a deeper dive into. I, I could see it going one of two ways. Like either they, they are in it again or something happens early on Superman style and Adam Warlock is the only one to survive of the Sovereign. Ooh, I bet that's what they do because they, they have so much room in the timeline now to explain why, despite Adam Warlock being created, at least initially in 2014, he hasn't done anything. He's still baking. And the, yeah, you can't take him out when he's undercooked. It won't be pretty. Um, yeah, and I don't know where the Sovereign has been, like, through Thanos and through all that. Yeah. You know, we haven't really seen how space people grappled with the blip. I don't know if we ever really will. I don't, I think that's an overwhelming task. Right. But like, or even just acknowledge that they also experienced it. Cause like they, they were supposed to. Oh yeah. <laughs> but we just like, well, I mean, I guess Captain Marvel says something like she's like, you know, trying to help out yeah. all these other places. But it's like, besides that, we just haven't had any characters focused on space in a long time they're doing like a, a Nova show. And I think that would be, but that's like for, that's not for years. So yeah, I don't know. Yeah. So, I mean, not a, it's not like I don't need um, like Captain America style show, like delving into the politics of it, but just more of a, yes, it also affected us, but like, we're fine. Cause we're better <laughs> than earth. Right. We, we prepared for this somehow. We prepared for or it. Or, like, our infrastructure can just handle it better or something. I don't know. And, like, definitely with the Sovereign, like, they're such a small community. Like, they would probably be fine. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so, I, I mean, I could see the Sovereign either being a main player or, yeah, them being wiped out for some other reason and Adam Warlock survives. So. You know, like, they just, they don't have the most skilled military personnel but like the fact that they use drones basically that's a big advantage yeah for some reason i thought that we did see them more recently and that like some of them did die because they were um actually in their vessels but i might be thinking of something else are you thinking about the game maybe because there were some like gold skin people in the game maybe i am thinking of the game which my, my usual plug every time we talk about Guardians of the Galaxy, play the game. It is really good. If you have the means. Adam's in it. Adam is in it, and he's very annoying. <laughs> How do you feel about the Sovereign plot in this movie in general, though? Um, it's a bit ham-fisted. yeah. Because, like, there's valid reason for someone to, like, want to go after the Guardians. We've seen it before, but, like, if they really wanted to, like, lean on that being such a... A, a crux of the movie and also a driver for Adam Warlock being the third movie. Like, is it really just stealing batteries? I thought that the reason was well explained because they have so much pride that they're like these, like people who are below us in our eyes can't be seen stealing from us. And like, like that just, that just can't be. So yeah. like that, I'm like fine with that, but 
their portrayal feels so like super silly. Yeah, like these aren't real people and I won't be able to take them seriously. Especially like the Aisha character. I'm like, just like are like, like if Aisha's supposed to be a threat, it's not working. It, these just feel like I I mean they don't really see them. Like they're more of a nuisance like oh this is annoying we have to deal with that. Sure. But they're never worried that they're actually going to like but they also have a lot of ego uh-huh. of the guardians but i mean sure but like you know if they're the ones that are like creating adam warlock i'm like i should be able to take these people more seriously as adversaries oh see i just I, for the just for plot's sake but I, like underestimating them and underestimating this adam warlock could be interesting yeah that's true so yeah i mean we'll see what we'll see what they do with them in the third movie but for this yeah i, I wasn't i got the reasons why they were doing what they were doing but i wasn't really sold yeah. completely I do really love the, oh, not opening, cre- but like opening credit scene, not the flashback. Um, and that you see the Guardians fighting, but it's all from Groot's perspective. So it's like, okay, we, we get they're like still doing their thing, but it's not, I mean, not that a fight scene's boring, but it was just like, this is a fun way to oh, yeah. show where they're at, put some music in, you know. I thought it was interesting how in this movie, like they incorporated the music in the story mm-hmm. and not just like the soundtrack to the movie. And I feel if I feel like unsure about it. Why? Cause <laughs> I, I like it a lot. I mean, I, cause, because the soundtrack for the first movie obviously is great. And the soundtrack for this movie is good too. The first, I think the first soundtrack is better, but I do, I, I get why it was included in the first one because it was like, you know, he's talking about it and he does play like, doesn't he play one song for Gamora in the first one? Yes. Um, yeah, and like he, yeah, you know he's like listening to music in the first one. I really liked that they brought it in because like the core of this movie is his relationship with his dad. So, and, and the core, the core mom. of Peter Quill's emotions are like all wrapped up in music. So yeah. for him to like have this memory associated with his mom, and then his dad kind of comes in and like like ruins it a little bit through the music partially. I feel like that worked really well. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how I feel about it. Like part of me was like, I I guess I wanted it to be more slick. Sure. But like, I like the part where, yeah, he dances with Gamora and he's like, you know, this is Miles Davis. Like we have to listen, like, you know, like that, I thought that worked really well, but there's like, Rocket's like, do you have any of Quill's music? Like we can put on like that just felt like, well, I just would have preferred Like, why do we that, have to explain why this song is playing? Yeah, just cut that line and just have it be playing. And maybe or if you Or even show really them want, putting it on. Right. Yeah, I'm trying to remember, like, what that's called. It's, like, diegetic music or something. It's, like, when it's not just the soundtrack. It's being... There's a reason for... Or someone's, like, actually playing it. Yeah, yeah. I think that would have been fine without, And at the like, end, when he gives it to Groot to listen to, I thought that worked really well. Yeah. And then it just became the soundtrack. Like, there were times where I thought it worked, and then there was times where I was like, you're showing me too much that you're doing this, I guess. That's, that's I think, that's why I'm, like, in between on it. I get that. I get that. Yeah, I would, I agree with you in that regard. They could have handled it a bit smoother, but overall, I liked... I think they just took a bit more of a stab at incorporating it rather yeah. than having it be like, here's songs that you can go buy on a record later to right. play at home. Which yeah, like, I don't mind it as a concept, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep, I think that is fair. I, But, I mean, I forgot how many, um, 
I, I kind of underrate the soundtrack for this movie because I, I've heard the soundtrack for the first one so many times. The sound, I was paying attention to it more than I do in most movies. I think the soundtrack for this one is just like, it has more slower music. It's not as like many bops as the first one, which is why we wouldn't like typically just like put it on. Yeah, that's true. But like, I love the use of, um, I mean, obviously Brandy, which is the one like that, is associated with his dad comes back a lot. That one's great. When the chain is playing, the chain that's is great. good. Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously you talked about the opening with Mr. Blue Sky, and then um, honestly, like my favorite one probably throughout the whole thing is the Wham Bam Shangalang playing. Like at the end, like they're, I don't know. I really like the scenes in which they use that, and it like kind of cuts in and out as they're doing their fight scenes and stuff. Pretty fun. Not to mention the the original song that they did for this with David Hasselhoff singing over the credits that they put out a music video for afterward. I mean, just come on. Um, also, like, kind of tied in with the Sovereign plot is, like, we get a lot of Rocket, and I do wonder if they're going to do more with Rocket. I think James Gunn has straight up been, one. like, it's going to explore where Rocket came from and who yeah, created him. Yeah, because we're getting Cosmo and stuff. Yeah. Um, but... I've said this before, I think. I think I said it on the podcast, but I, like, need to see a video of Bradley Cooper doing the voice of Rocket because I just can't picture him saying the lines. Like, I always have wondered, like, are they putting some sort of, like, filter on his voice or is he just doing it? Because if he's just doing that straight up, it's incredible. I'm going to play a video for Molly real quick. But, like, do you know what I mean? Or oh, yeah. you've already seen this. There's the laugh. It's real. It, see, it sounds different even just watching him do it. I think they do, like, a lot of... A little of, bit, yeah. Or, yeah, I don't know how much, but they post-produce it a bit. Yeah, which is fine. Otherwise, people would be like, why is this Bradley Cooper as... I mean, I don't know. I mean, if you I really think it's tell, still but. really good. I'm just like, I'm always like listening for Bradley Cooper now that I've seen the movie, and I like have a hard time hearing him, which is good. I mean, sure. I mean, yeah, he's doing. It's his not job. distracting. It's just like, it's just funny because I always think it's funny that Bradley Cooper is in this. Yeah, I mean, once again, him and Vin Diesel got the best deal in these movies because they do no press and presumably make a shitload of money. Yeah. So. Great, great work all around there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it is kind of wild that it's just it's him doing it. There, yeah, I forget often. I like that the with the sovereign, like every time they're like fighting them, as you said, they're using like droids, and it's literally a video game, and it sounds like a video game. They're like, doo, doo. I didn't know that was like they're like so fucking uptight, and yet. When they built these drone pilot things, yeah, they gave them. It sounds like a it sounds like a casino in there, or a building playing their uh, NESs back in the eighties. But do you kind of love it? Oh yeah, no, it's super fun. But also, like, it it doesn't make sense for them, but it also does make sense because only the sovereign could make something like that out of their military technology and take it completely seriously. Yeah. Um, something that interesting that I noticed um, that I didn't pick up on in previous watch throughs is when they've they have Nebula on the ship. I forget exactly what interaction this is, but 
she's like trying she's like lying being like you need to let me out of my chain so i can like help you fight and they're yeah. like you're gonna run away as soon as the first chance you get and she's like trying to be like no i'm not and everyone's like you're a horrible liar right um this time watching it just reminded me of in infinity war um when there's like that bit where gamora is trying not to give up where the soul stone is right. to thanos and he's like going through like I taught you how to do this. I taught you how to do this. And then he's like, "You're terrible at lying because that's the one thing that I didn't teach you how to do." Right. So I'm like, hmm. it makes sense that Nebula can't lie either. Yeah. Um, that is interesting. I just one love Nebula, and um, I do think I don't know if it was as intentional or not, but this is the thing that James Gunn set up for the other movies. Is like. Well, one, I think Nebula's the link to the Thanos stuff, obviously. And, like, at the end, she's like, I'm off to kill Thanos. But then, like, she becomes such a pivotal part in Endgame in particular um, that I just think that's really... That's kind of set up here in, like, her arc. So I guess good job to James Gunn. Like, I don't know if they... If that was always intended that Nebula was going to be such a big part in, like, the Endgame I have no idea. Um, I don't think anybody would have guessed great. that. <laughs> it no it worked so well, and it was, like, nice to have a redemption person because we don't have too many of those no. in Marvel. But, like, yeah, if you would, after this movie or even after the first movie, you're like, oh, yeah, so in Avengers Endgame, there's going to be, like, a scene, like, really close to the end of it that's, like, a climactic scene where Nebula shoots the other version of Nebula. And people would be like, what? Like, the side character? Well, and she's, <laughs> like, helping them get the stones and yeah. stuff. Like, it's just fun to have her in that role and she's still like super sassy i hope she gets a lot of time to shine in the third one because it was cool that she had a bit more personality when we saw her in endgame and infinity war a bit but it's more when she was stuck on the ship with tony uh and being forced to just like socialize and not just be like yeah. an edgy like an edge lord when all the they time do the little game well, and I'm also wondering if um, she's going to be kind of the link to getting the old Gamora up to speed with new Gamora. I'm I'm sure. Or whatever. Or, well, it's just old Gamora now. There's no new Gamora. I know, but like old, being new, new, where, old where Gamora. new Gamora was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, oh, interesting. Yeah, no, I don't... I'm sure there's they're going to get more into that relationship, but I have no idea how they're going to do it. Um, also for the third movie, we have our introduction to Sylvester Stallone's character. He's on that like kind of what seems like a club planet, which seems like a terrible location for a club planet because it seems really cold all the time. But he's playing this guy's Takar. He's like a high ranking Ravager guy. And he pops Brought up, up uh, Yondu. Yondu and also exiled Yondu because he was trafficking children, which big old we yikes. like we hear about that. Before, you know, obviously we knew that Yondu had picked up Peter in the first movie, but it was mostly just seen as like, oh, yeah, like they always were trying to eat me. And it was like all that. But now that was like our first hint that there was like something else going on, because clearly like they were this was not just Peter. This was an ongoing thing, which I thought was very interesting. Um, But I also like Sylvester Stallone in this movie. I don't see him in a lot anymore. Um and, you know, his acting is how he acts. But I feel like it worked for this character. And I hope that he also has more, like, real stuff to do in the next movie. Yeah. Um, I have him as Sly in all of my notes, of obviously. Um, 
I I do like him in it, and I like the role of the Ravengers. But this was one of my like downsides of this movie. Um, is that it happens like the conflict is so high so fast. Like yeah. he's in this like shouting match with Yondu, and we don't even know who he is, what this is about, like how it's gonna connect later. Which we don't need to know those things, but like their intensity is too much for like where we are in the movie, I feel like. Well, I agree, and then it also kind of works for me because it's kind of painted as like, this is like a world that we have not been in. Yeah. Even in the Guardians movies, like, we know Yondu as this guy, but he was involved in this shit way before right. that. He's like talking about how he was like a battle slave for 20 years and like all this shit going on that I guess had been simmering. But I agree that it would have been nice to spend more time with that before it blew up. Yeah, or even just get a little bit of time with Sly on his own. Yeah. Like, I was just like, okay, they don't like each other, we get it, and, like, Yondu's into some bad shit. But, like, it just, that part didn't feel earned yet. I mean, they really work on Yondu's plot throughout, so then, like, it does become earned by the end, but I was like, this scene feels like it needs to happen later or something. Sure, sure. I wonder if they had considered that and then they needed to space it out to make the ending work more. Yeah. Um, but, you know, he's confirmed to come back. Uh, what's his name? Um, Michael Rosenbaum. So that's who played Lex Luthor on Smallville. He plays the guy that has, like, all the shiny... The one from Smallville? Yeah. <gasps> he's, like, the shiny, like, diamond head guy. I love him. Guy. Yeah. And oh, also, another bald guy. Also a podcaster. Um, so it's, like, it's him... It's Sly, it's Michelle, Michelle Yeoh, uh, Miley Cyrus is a robot head. Um, I'm forgetting who played the other one that we saw in the credits. There were two more. There was this mountain of a man and then also an alien who was doing some Doctor Strange magic. <laughs> That's so funny. Um, I just showed a picture of like a side-by-side -side of his character from Smallville and his character from Guardians because it... It's two bald guys. Martin X is his name. Oh, yeah, and Ving, Ving Rames is the other guy. So, you know, if we get that whole squad together, which hopefully we will, and they'll just ask the audience to be smart and realize that Michelle Yeoh is not playing the same character that she played in Shang-Chi. Is Shang it Yeoh or Yao? I thought it was I Yo. thought it was Yeoh, okay. but in any case. Yeah, I just, I liked seeing, like, this... Uh, presumably older, slightly older generation of Ravagers. And the, the one that was like doing the Doctor Strange magic, I was like, just give me more of that random shit. Like, how did this alien learn how to do that? We don't know. Oh, I didn't even like think about that. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that'll be a fun like s like C plot if the Adam one is like the A plot and then the Gamora is like the B plot because they'll be... But th they're not, like, really against the Guardians, I don't think so, unless, like, something happens and then they do become against the Guardians, or I don't know how that's going to play out. I don't know. There's a lot of moving parts, and I've they're going to have to, like, sacrifice some of this stuff to not have a six-hour-long movie, so I don't know. I mean, know. I do like that James Gunn is like, I don't really care what's going on in the rest of the MCU. Like, I set this up you know, however many years ago and I'm continuing it. Yep. Um, and it, and I'm like looking forward to this plot happening outside of 
the MCU plot. Well, one, because we don't know what the MCU plot is right now. Um, but I think it's just now, like, we appreciate these characters so much, it's, like, fun to just live with them for a little bit. Yeah, and it was good to get a glimpse of them in Thor. Right. Um, so we, like, we know they're on the horizon because it's been five years since this movie, and now Guardians 3 will be coming out next year, which is crazy to think about. And we're... Most of the way through 2022 already, so. And they are doing this little Christmas special, which it could just be silly, but I, I, thinking about James Gunn, I think he's going to slip something important in there. I think it'll be fun, and yes, uh, something will be, something will be crucial. I know we haven't watched I Am Groot yet, sorry to the big I Am Groot fans out there, but there's not a lot of material to cover on, like, a four-minute episode of Baby Groot running around, so if you were wondering why that hasn't showed up in your feed yet, there you go. I hadn't thought about it once. (laughs) Um, One of my, you know, if you mentioned earlier, we haven't been doing our favorite scene bits so much lately, but you mentioned it, and I do have a contribution that I would like to make. Can I guess? Oh, yes, please. Booby traps? Yes, the booby traps. How did you know? It's so good. It is really good. It's also my next note is Love Rackets booby traps. It's so good because, like, obviously at this point of the movie, Rocket's acting like prime shithead Rocket, and... You know, I needed a win for him to just not be a complete douche. Right. Um, so, you know, a bunch of a bunch of these Ravagers getting a shot in the face with needles. I'm here for it, Rocket. Also, it was just so fun, like the way that shooting an action scene in which Rocket's like the jumping around on the, right. the trees and launching off of people's heads. Now having seen more James Gunn's work, like this feels very quintessential James Gunn. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm glad talking about this now too, having seen more of James Gunn's work because I feel like I can pinpoint his style a little bit better than like just the second, like seeing this after the first Guardians where it's like, I don't really know his work outside of this. I still only know it in a superhero context, but sure, um, it's still like, this feels like that. And then a scene I was going to talk about towards the end is also like very quintessential. His, I think his fighting scenes have like a con- continuity, I guess. Yeah, I agree. Big bombastic stuff with some slow-mo sprinkled in and yeah, no, it was just really fun. It was just very energetic and the music was good as always. And it was great. And then meanwhile, on the planet of ego, um, weird vibes, like, and I, I think it's good weird vibes, but like, just like this museum timeline that's happening. And that's the first red flag, isn't it? Yeah. And I think we as the audience are like something seems sus. Well, and Gamora is our uh, vessel to be like, uh, no, like, does this not seem super creepy to you? Like, I know this is your dad, but like, and at that point he's not even 100% sold on that. So it's a little too perfect. Um, yeah. So I think that it's it's good how it's portrayed. It is like unique in its it it absolutely portrayal, is. I guess. I mean, like the whole idea of this movie is super unique. It's like, of course, like, oh, I don't know who my parents are. I don't know who one of my parents is, and I don't know where these powers come from. So not only are we answering that like classic superhero question, but it's like, okay, also, I'm a planet. And I'm planning, like, total universal domination. Also, I'm losing my powers on the same day I found out that I had them. Uh, Yeah, you know. I I don't agree with that. I wish they would have kept the powers. Like, I guess because they're tied to the planet. But I'm just like, if he inherited them in his genes. Well, they had Ego say it a billion times. Like, oh, I'm immortal? 
like Peter will be like, oh, immortal, all I have powers. And Ego will be like, as long as the light in the planet is burning, you have it. They yeah, say it like seven times, but it's still such a bummer because, again, in the game, he doesn't have these celestial powers, at least that we see. Not in the same way. Not in the same way, but he has like these cool guns that he gets from his dad. That only he that, can control. Yeah. yeah. And James Gunn, I think, like was asking, he was like, I just didn't think I could make it work. But like, I feel like he needed something else to be like, and people like Star Lord, but I don't know. Some of these like little quirks and traits I think would be cool to have kept around. I mean, I think there's possibility for him to have some something residual. Yeah, yeah, I hope so. Um, Potentially, I just think it was such a cool character reveal, and it made sense for why he had to get rid of it. But also, it was like, damn, like that's all we get. He could have been a, a star player in the Endgame fight, you know. So he's just flying around with his jetpack. I also wonder if he's gonna return to Missouri in the third movie. Because they made a couple of mentions of the fact that he's never gone back. Well, and then people were like, oh, well, now he has gone back for Tony Stark's funeral. Um, and, you know, I think James I, I think James Gunn was, like, consulted <laughs> on, like, what the Guardians were doing. He didn't have complete control. But on Twitter, I think he was like, yes, they came back for this funeral because they were already there when they got, like, teleported right. in. And then I think he was like, they got the fuck off Earth immediately because Star Wars was like, no, I don't want to be here. Yeah. So they just bailed. And so, no, I don't. if it's up to him, I don't think they're going to go back. Well, I, I would just think to... he'd want to go back on his terms. Yeah. On James Gunn's terms, I mean. Right. I think, I'm, yeah. It was just I'm because saying. it was mentioned did, a couple of times a that I was like, that just feels like something that is, like, there if they want to return. But and they've they, already, like, mined that a lot the whole mom yeah. stuff but obviously that's like core to his character they mentioned it in uh, infinity war too because uh tony stark's like oh you're from earth and he's like no i'm from missouri oh which is also like a, a great moment well yeah i like the line where he's like he's not not from missouri like his like oh who is your dad yeah um yeah um another like bit i don't love or i don't like at all is drax and mantis him being like you're ugly yeah i'm like i don't i didn't like it the first time and i definitely don't like it after hearing it about 17 times i'm like what is funny about this joke like just like obviously because we're all like she's not ugly and like drax is supposed to be kind of ugly i guess but i'm just like I just feel like this is not a joke that aged not, well at all. It just wasn't very good. Wasn't good from the beginning. It just, yeah, it just, that was a, it's a pretty big miss. Like, it's a weak joke. It's a weak joke. I mean, Drax in this whole movie is kind of like, they, they took him up a few too many notches from the first one. Like, the first movie Drax was so good because he was like the very literal type. He wasn't really yeah. making jokes and he wasn't that self-aware about it either. He's not to say that he is any more self-aware in this but movie. But he's, like, laughing obnoxiously a lot. Which, you know, you could be like, maybe he's just getting the hang of trying to be funny. But it well, And it's still like he's not laughing at things that are actually funny, which is fine. Like, I think that works. Yeah. It's just, like, too much. It, it's definitely too much. I just, you know, I feel bad for Mantis, this whole movie. You know, she doesn't need that shit. Uh, but I also kind of get they're, like, trying to, like, solidify Drax's character more like when he's like talking about his wife which who is also like a total fucking weirdo like him yeah like not a dancer just like I'm imagining a just a, another version of Drax like how different he totally is. Yeah. like socially stunted um 
but yeah, no, kind of a kind of a swing and a miss there. I do think the strongest part of this movie is our two main stories and locations, like bouncing back between the planet of ego and then like the rocket Yondu plot. Mm-hmm. Like both times I'm like, oh, what's happening over here? And then when they go back, I'm like, oh, what's happening over here? I'm never like, uh, can we just get back to like story A? Yeah, no, they, they kept it moving pretty well. And as like it inches closer to like the reveal that we get about the ego's planet, the, the energy is matched. Yeah, and that the stories are very much linked, but not so linked that's like, okay, we get it. Yeah, no, I think they did a really good job with that. I kind of, like, forget about it when we're not, like... Yeah, I forgot how much of the Ravenger plot we're getting during the movie. Yeah. Um, The Ravenger ship in general is very, like, Peter Pan Lost Boys energy, though. Absolutely. I noticed it. Absolutely. When they're all, like, sleeping, I was like, oh, my goodness. And you were saying this earlier about how, like, so many people were killed and they don't spend that much time on it. I'm honestly kind of glad they don't because it's honestly so devastating. Like, it would just bring down the movie so hard. Yeah, yeah. I think they must have realized that, but I think they swung too hard in the other direction. They also killed way too many people. This is, like, a tragedy. Like, they killed, yeah, they killed, like, a fuckload of people by putting them out the airlock. What a horrifying way to die. Yeah. Um, can I just say that we were talking about Mantis? Um, some of her line delivery to me is like the funniest thing. She's in this movie. an excellent addition. When like the first scene where they're talking to her and being like, "What are the antenna for?" and she's like, "It's not for doorways." <laughs> I love that so much. Both her and Nebula fit in really nicely in this movie. Yes, um, and uh, Sean Gunn. Whatever his name is, you said it earlier. Craglin. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it's a nice team, and like, I think they like gently included more women without it being like we have to have more women. Mm-hmm. Like they did a good, like more subtle way of doing it. Yeah, I agree. And yeah, I I like Mantis a lot, and I like that they also like successfully included her in the main plot of Infinity War too. Yeah. And also like having played the game since then, the depiction of mantis in the game is massively different i don't know which is more comic accurate i'm guessing the game is but in the game she's like seen as this cosmic messiah almost who has like this infinite knowledge of like different oh i forgot that's universes yeah so she's like every time she talks to someone she's like oh like this is the universe she's where more like you... an oracle yes definitely that's like i think that's what i was looking for um in this she's just like an empath like a very yeah. strong empath which I think they're both good takes, but I'm like, I do nothing like the, about uh, the alternative is like almost too powerful and would have not worked with the doctor strange for sure. For sure. And it's like super weird in the game. Like I didn't know what the hell was going on. Um, but they have a bit more time to unpack that slash not as reliant on making sure the audience understands it. I was getting kind of annoyed with her character in the game. Yeah. She was kind of annoying. So I, I, I like, like this version. Palm Cummings version is better. So, but Probably, like, the most different in their depictions. Um, my favorite scene from the movie is when Yandu gets his fin and they go fucking ape shit on the ship. Speaking also, of killing a bunch of people, like, when they're walking across the bridge, which also, this ship is so massive. Yeah, I'm like, where is the ceiling? 
And they're just like bodies falling. Like that also I was like, wow, this is the most James Gunn thing I've it's, ever it's seen. It's so cool. Yeah, that scene is fantastic. And it just like looks really good. It this looks movie is really a, cool. It's a very good looking movie. The the Finn thing was also really cool in the first one. He only used it once. Yeah. Um, but it was it was it worked so well in this and then you know, Sean Gunn's character getting it was yeah. like sweet and like him trying to like do it. Like, I don't know. I just, and yeah. they even fit in the, like, you know, I use, you know, how do you think I control the thing? And I was like, it's a bit much, it's a bit on the nose, but I, I thought it worked well because the fin had been used so much earlier. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. They really drill it into you. But I'm like, I thought you were using whistling to control it. <laughs> I whistle from the heart. Well, I can't whistle, so I could never use the fin. It would be floating along very slowly. Yeah, no, that was that was a, a great scene. And also, again, I I'd don't need have like to say a little it, pitch pipe or something. Yes, a little pan flute. <laughs> um, yeah, I love that scene when he's like looking at the security monitors and like flying it through there. Great, love it. And then he blows up the whole ship, which even Rocket is like what are you doing, you maniac? Which is really saying something. Which, of course, is, like, setting up that, like, trying to trying to say that Yondu and Rocket are very similar people. Right. Which I thought worked well. Yeah. Um, also, I really like this. We get this scene where Gamora's pissed off and she's, like, kind of just, like, sitting in the middle of a field. Um, one, just, there's, like, this wide shot of her just, like, sitting and she, like, cuts the these flowers off because they're yeah. making noise. I'm like, this is cool. And then when Nebula just comes out of nowhere flying in trying to kill her, I just, that whole sequence is really is fun. Good. And at one point, like, Gamora has, like, the cannon from the ship and is, like, holding it on her shoulder. I'm like, this is a complete, not just the Guardians video game. I'm like, this is just a video game moment. This is, like, some shit out of uh, the Marvel versus Capcom fighting game. It was just, like, so out there. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I forgot, like, how strong Gamora is. <laughs> It's just cool to see, like, evenly matched people fighting where you're, like, not worried that one of them's going to, like, kill the other. Yeah. Even yeah, though that no, was, like, just... Nebula's goal. I'm, like, I was never worried. Sure. <laughs> and, of course, like, I mean, if Nebula had wanted to do it, she would have done it. Right. But we we know better. Sister code. Sister code. <laughs> um, just want to check in really quick. How are we dealing with this whole celestial business in this? I think the answers were not because it doesn't make any fucking sense. Like, why were they using that word if we knew these other celestials existed in other parts of the comic world? I don't know. And I don't... which one is more accurate? Because I like this Celestial better than I like the Celestials in uh, Eternals? Eternals. Well, I don't know. That's I don't... like so, it's too much, the Celestials in uh, Eternals. Yeah, the lore implications are kind of wild. It's just and so high intensity. Yeah. As much as I, and I, I do love the the thing with... Uh, whatever his name is, Arishem, the big celestial, like showing up and like covering half of Earth with his face. It was cool. But yeah, I don't, I don't know. I know nothing about Ego, the character. I know nothing about Celestials. 
I don't know. I mean, know. Ego could have taken a different form. Like, he could have made himself really big and stuff. But he's a planet at the end of the day. Like, that's right. the base, so. And, like, that's where his power is tied to, which I think is good to have some sort of flaw if you're basically, like, immortal, can do anything. Right. Like. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know which um, version of Celestial, like, came first in Marvel history or you know, if they just like let him use that word, and then when they were working on Eternals, they were kind of just like, "Well, we'll figure this out later." I mean, but if I had to guess, they're never gonna clarify because they don't need to. Maybe like a throwaway line in an Eternals sequel, being like, "Oh yeah, not all Celestials look like us," you know, if they really wanted to. Yeah, I mean, I guess he's also kind of a weak Celestial because he needs a second person to like do whatever yeah, he's, he's trying to do. he's not, you know, hatching eggs in planets like the rest of these guys. So maybe someone, uh, you know, they're they're hanging out at Celestial Headquarters and one of the Eternals is like, what about that Ego guy? And they're like, we don't talk about him. <laughs> he's, the, he's the black sheep of the Celestial family. Um, just wanted to say one of my favorite interactions, and this is like the humor that I'm here for is... Um, like, Peter's like, yes, I'm glad, like, I was skinny. Otherwise, you would have, like, taken me here as a kid. And Yandu's like, um, you think that's really, like, the reason? And um, Peter's like, well, that's what you told me. He's like, well, you know, I wasn't just going to hand you over, blah, blah, blah. And then Peter's like, you said you were going to eat me. And Yandu's like, that was me being funny. Like, it was just, like, a really funny delivery. And I was like, this is, like, I was laughing out loud at that. Yeah, that was a good bit. I enjoyed that one. Uh, thank you for all letting me just do my rendition. I would have done that as, like, the opening quote, but the best quote in this whole movie is, I'm Mary Poppins, y'all. Which as I As everybody say knows. Often. Yes. Is he cool? He's very cool. <laughs> oh, yeah, he's cool. Yeah, no. Great moment. Love it. Um, before we move on, because I only have a couple more notes, I was just going to say that the celestial thing totally goes hand in hand with what we are going to have to address with Harry Styles being Thanos' brother, but also he's an eternal. Also, which means he's a robot. So he Thanos- might have spit on Chris Pine the other day at the Venice Film Festival, and the whole internet's talking about it. Yeah, shit's going crazy over there. I don't know. Anyone <laughs> Sorry, that's, that's just like a pop culture reference that will not age well. It's not. Olivia Wilde, whatever's going on in your circle, I don't know. I want no part of it. It's scaring me. Um, but yeah, so a lot, of, a lot of cosmic stuff going on right now, and I don't know what we're going to take away from any of it. Yeah. Time will tell. Not looking forward to the whole celestial business, if I'm being honest. I'm curious. It's not what I'm most excited about, but you know. I'm here for Doctor Doom. Let's see what's let's see what's going on. Maybe they'll combine them. Who knows? Um, and I just I had a note that this is late. We already talked about the pacing earlier, but I think this might have been at the point where things are starting to come together at the climax, and I'm like, oh wait, like we're here already. Like when Ego is like revealing the truth to Peter, I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, we're just, we're doing it now. Yeah, I think my thought on this was, like, even though, like, the whole movie is about his dad, it doesn't feel earned. I don't know if I agree. I mean, in what way? Like, how does, how do you really feel it's not earned? Like, I guess I don't 
care enough about it. Like, we get nothing about him having any daddy issues in the first one. It's all about, like, his relationship with his mom. And then in this movie, they're like, oh, yeah, I'm really sensitive about my dad's stuff. And that, oh, by the way, I know that I'm part, like non-human mm-hmm. like that's never said in the first movie it's at the end of the first movie they like talk about it because the um is it gun close she's mm-hmm. in it right they're like oh yeah like when we scanned you like something was off and they're oh, like do right. you know who your dad is and he was like no he's like well my mom's from earth and they're like well there's something going on yeah 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 but like it's not part of his character no it's not and then like in this it feels like oh, he's always felt this way. We have this, like, plot about, like, you know, him carrying around this, like, David Hasselhoff photo and stuff. And, like, I don't know. Like, we get to the end and I'm like, I'm not on the same emotional journey that Peter is, I guess. Well, That's what I mean, I guess, but it doesn't feel earned. To me, it kind of works in that regard because I feel like realistically, I mean, not even realistically, it's fucking Guardians of the Galaxy. But, like, this is not something that, Peter would have been voluntarily discussing with anybody until he's like confronted head on with like, Oh, like I'm not really out there like looking for my dad, but like now he's here and it's like bringing back all this stuff that he hadn't really probably really hadn't thought about in however long it's been since he left earth. But now like those insecurities never really went away. He just wasn't really thinking about it. Is the way I approach it. I just think they could have done a better job with that. Like we have the one conversation with Gamora to like, like conceptualize it, I guess. And then he's immediately like super attached and super defensive of his dad and like this whole thing. And I'm like, I don't like, I just didn't feel like we went on that journey enough. That's like, I don't know. I guess we could have gone deeper. Yeah. Even though, like I said, I, I understand that's like what the whole movie is about. It's just like it happened where it's over. We're moving on. Like, yeah, no, I get that. Yeah. I get that. I think it. I think I, the the way they told it. I think maybe I just worked a, b- a bit better for me than you, just like because I didn't yeah. really come away with that. But I totally agree. I think. I mean, I would be willing to guess that it suffered because maybe this was not like the one hundred percent guaranteed plot for the sequel. So like they didn't lay the groundwork. Yeah. Which it obviously yeah it would have been a lot better if they had, but. I'm assuming they may not have even known that they were going to get a sequel when they wrote the first one. So James Gunn might not have been reading that far ahead. Yeah. Like the, the part that felt the most earned was when like he like kind of let slip that he put the tumor in his mom and like his reaction to that I was like, that feels like really earned because we saw like the impact of that in the first one, but like him, like having this like need for a dad or like wanting this like relationship, like that, felt like they were just doing that for this movie, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, I get that. Man, that scene where he, like, shoots him instantly, though, after he says that shit about the tumor, that's so good. Yeah. Yeah, that felt really, like, I hate, I wish I had another word for earned. Yeah. (laughs) They almost ruined it with him turning into David Hasselhoff, but, like, not quite. It was stupid. Oh, I thought that worked. I thought it was, like, like, why are we doing this right now? Like, this is not a comedic bit moment. It's fine. It doesn't detract really a lot from it, but I was also like, why? This is like a fun little Easter egg, but we could have done this earlier when he was like talking about how he can turn into whatever he wants. Whatever, not a huge deal, but. And I mean, from that moment on, it's like really breakneck, like 
through the end of the movie. But we do have like the pause in everything for like the whole Groot stuff again. Yes. Which I thought that worked well. Yes, I enjoyed that Groot moment. That was the best baby Groot moment. Yeah, especially like setting it up with like him not following the instructions yeah. at all. Like he never did it. No. In on the ship. Okay, that and the thumb, the severed <laughs> thumb. thumb that or was toe. really funny. Whatever it was. That yeah. was excellent. I have a lot of questions. Like, a lot of questions. I, as Ragan said, we'll just never speak of this again. <laughs> um, now, my biggest grievance, and I think many that saw Titanic will feel the same way. I'm just like, we could have saved Yondu. Like, just like we could have saved Jack. Like, what There was happened? room in that door for someone else. Exactly. Like, why wasn't the ship right there ready to pick them up? I guess they just assume Peter was definitely dead, but like Rocket gave him the stuff. Well, Rocket, he I guess he was like what I was thinking about the same thing cuz I was like what was the trajectory? I guess they knew that the planet was going to blow up. So when Rocket left, he just went straight up. He was like we're not going to go over cuz they weren't they weren't going up in the same place that the ship was. So they But either, they can like track them. Well, I think they did, but at that point like Rocket was already getting away from the explosion, and then they would have been like, okay, he made it out, so they looped back. I think if they had planned things a bit better, but, you know, there's a lot out of their control. I'm just saying. Yeah. It felt like he didn't need to die. It's true, but hey. He got the, in my opinion, one of the best deaths in the MCU, so, you know. It was, and, like, obviously, like, it's all beautiful, and, like, it felt earned, (laughs) y'all. Um... But, like, just in terms of, like, me wanting to keep Yondu around. Of course, of course. Yeah. I, I mean, was just, like, we, you know. Yeah, no, I don't. We could have gotten there. Yeah, I didn't want the guy to die either, but I. The guy. The guy. The, the daddy, if you yeah. will. He ain't your daddy. Um, yeah, I just, it's very sad, but like I was saying earlier, this is, like, this last part of the movie with like when they're on the, when the rest of the crew's on the ship and everyone's pissed, like where Drax is like screaming, like where's Quill? Like why isn't Quill on the ship? And Rocket's like, that's all like, really tases Gamora. I'm like, this yeah. is like working really well for me. And then like leading into this stuff with obviously wish Yondu hadn't died, but it, they did it really well. And it like closed like the whole story arc that they right. had been working on this whole movie. Um, and I mean, like the acting was great. I mean, I thought like um, Chris Pat was like really selling it too, which was great. And then like, I mean, I love the the actual funeral part too when the Ravagers come back, which obviously is like everyone's like happy. But then like seeing a uh, Sean Gunn Craglin and he's like crying tears of happiness. I was like, this is very I yeah. No, I like it's all worth it for like those moments. But I'm just saying, sure, there was room on that ship for. Yeah, room on that absolutely. I was just, I guess I'm just happy that they didn't fuck up his death or like the consequences of it. Like it was very like heartfelt and they didn't like step on it at all. Yeah. Like, I don't know if a uh, Taika Waititi could have done that, you know? Why, why, why are you making that comparison? Um, cause it kind of reminded me of like the placement in the movie being like where at the end of Thor Ragnarok, um, Asgard gets blown up and it like should have been like a thing but they just had, like, Korg, like, making jokes the whole time. So to me, like, obviously they're, the circumstances are different, but the tone is comparable. And I just thought that, like, after a movie of 
the, um, this movie, which had like a lot of jokes and bits, which didn't land for me. Um, they were able to like stick an emotional landing and have it not feel out of place. Yeah. Yeah. And I, yeah, I just, that I hadn't thought about that comparison before that just came to me. And I think that was a qualm that a lot of people had. It was like, you can do all these bits, but like when you have like a pivotal emotional moment that should matter, make it matter. Well, I have a lot of thoughts on Thor Ragnarok and I think a lot of people give that movie as like their number one and they don't always, I don't think they think about the whole movie. They think about the best parts of that movie. Yeah. Well, we'll talk about that in like three or four weeks. So you have that to look forward to. Yeah. I mean, that one's coming up next in terms of Marvel. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty wild. Um, yeah, I didn't have any other notes, no, but that's yeah, it. I really enjoyed watching it. I did think it's a little bit like, I think ego falls flat. Mm-hmm. Um, like his character is like, take it or leave it. And all the other stuff happening around it is really good. And I think that's part of what I was saying about like the dad stuff just wasn't hitting for me. Yeah. I mean, I think as far as like a villain goes, I, I, I find like Kurt Russell. I find more to like with Ego than I did for Ronan, just because it's like such a different take. I like the Ronan from Guardians One. Yeah, like he was just such like a classic like bad guy, um, which Guardians One was telling a very different story. Yeah, I thought that Ronan worked for yeah that. what they needed. I think like what I like about I still love both movies, and I would still give the edge to the first one uh, in hindsight. But what I like about this is not having to do, like, the whole forming of the team again. I like yeah. seeing them together. And, like, this is really the only movie where we've seen them as a unit for the entirety of it, which is cool. Yeah. And, like, what works and what doesn't. Yeah. And it brings a different energy than the first one. So and I think there are still a lot of people that like this one better. So it has its audience. It's a great sequel. It is. Yeah. It is a very good sequel and I hope that they can round out the trilogy with another good one. I think, I think it will be have faith in gun. Yeah. He'll do it. If not, he'll bitch about it on Twitter and then go back to working for DC. And well, he already is. So that's not a problem, but, um, great. Well, any final thoughts? I think I've exhausted my notes. Okay. This is a good discussion. Is there a team that could go up against the Guardians? Um, well, I don't know. What if they went up against the Fantastic Four, you know? How would that play out? The It's interesting to think about the Guardians' power set, because I feel like they're kind of underpowered in the movies. But they um, always do well. They always win, but, like, by the skin of their teeth. Which is what's, like, fun about them. Yeah. you know, They like, don't have a plan. Could Drax fight the thing? Probably. Yeah. That would be a great fight. Um, yeah. You know, Star-Lord would be fighting the Human Torch. They'd be flying around. Um, I don't know who would be best to go against Mr. Fantastic. Gamora. Gamora. And then what about Invisible? Well, I mean, they don't... The way they fight, they don't just, like, one for yeah, one. They're, they're, they're like, unit, chaotically they're fighting everybody at the same time. I think, I think Rocket a... and the Invisible would be fine because he's, like, trying to shoot her and, like... Yeah. He would have some sort of technology to counteract it. I think yeah. that would be a fun fight to watch. I was just trying to think of other groups, and they're all really big. I mean, if you throw a Groot in there, like, they're obviously, like, outnumbered. Yeah, but 
I would say that Groot and Mr. Fantastic would be interesting. Yes, but don't let Human Torch anywhere near Groot. No, <laughs> don't say that. <laughs> very sad. A very small forest fire might occur. I hope that Groot is like fully grown by the time we get to Guardians Three. Yeah, fingers crossed. I'm tired of this. I mean, he's already a teenager. If they do the time jump consistent with Endgame, then we should be good to go. Oh. Do we even see him in Endgame? Yes, he's like a teenager. He's a teenager still? Oh, well, duh, because there wasn't like a time Because he got snapped. Well, yeah, but let's let's see. I'm, I'm also pulling for a fully grown Groot. Yeah. There's something I didn't like about Groot, I think, in Infinity War. It was annoying. Yeah, yeah, he's just yeah. been old. I can't even everything. really remember it, but he was like what he was in the end credit scene of this movie. That's what he was doing for the entirety of yeah. Infinity War. So, okay, but well, yeah. next week uh, we'll be going back into DC World. We actually have to backtrack a little. We forgot to talk about this movie. Um, no. Oh. No, oh, this we're one's on good. Schedule. No, we're we're doing Birds of Prey next week. No, we had skipped. Um, Suicide. Suicide Squad yeah. for for good reason, <laughs> uh, but yeah. So we'll be back on that next week, and then um, you know, stand on our calendar. We're finally getting back to X Men the week after that. So stay tuned. We got a lot coming your way. Until next time, we are out, out of, of the, the superverse. superverse.